Welcome back, and thank you for joining us for the continuation of my discussion about compliance analytics and digital innovation with Kara Bonatadabas and Parth Chanda from Lextegrity. I'm Zach Casalia, a lawyer here at Brooks and Gray, as well as the managing principal, head of innovation, and co-leader of RG Insights Lab. And you're listening to our latest installment of Culture and Compliance Chronicles a Robeson Gray podcast series focused on data analytics and the behavioral science approach to risk management, which as always is brought to you by RNG Insights Lab. Now, before we dive back into the discussion, I just want to remind our listeners where we left off. Parth, we ended our last discussion on a bit of a cliffhanger. You and Tara shared details about your technology and your journey from compliance professionals and lawyers to tech entrepreneurs. And your question to me was this, what are you hearing from clients about what they want to be doing more of following the DOJ guidance and the DOJ's clear focus on data? So let's dive back into that discussion. One of the questions that I, that I often get asked is, of all of the places where there's an opportunity to bring value with data and analytics, which is the area that we should focus on? So is it investigations? Is it risk assessment? Is it in effectiveness? Or is it continuous monitoring? And the way that I generally answer that question is it's a bit like choosing my favorite child, candidly, um, but, but, it, but the one that I often wind up picking um, is continuous monitoring. And, and the reason why is because I feel like continuous monitoring is the thing that gives us more detailed, more data-driven you know, insights about actual performance. You know, it helps us understand how we're doing, and, and it helps us understand how we're doing in nearer time than than of those those older legacy ways of doing things. Um, and if done right for that reason, you know, it can help us stop the next investigation. It can help drive the risk assessment and our understanding of risk. Um, it can help answer that effectiveness question, which as you point out, lots of folks are talking about and our clients are very much focused on. Um, and so I kind of see it as the place where there's the greatest opportunity because of the role it plays in helping drive a more analytically powered approach to all of these things. Um, but that said, I, there are a couple of observations that I have um, from my time at Pfizer and from, from my work with, with other clients. Um, and the first is that, and I, 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 I say this a lot, so you and others may have already heard me say this, uh, and will hear me say it in, again at some point in the future, but um, much of the discussion that's out there about compliance analytics, it, it tends to be conceptual um, and it tends to focus in on some buzzy words like artificial intelligence and machine learning and augmented analytics, natural language processing, take your pick. And I think that these concepts, um, they can be intimidating to those that are starting their analytics journey. Um, and I even see clients either getting turned off very early in the discussion because of the perceived complexity um, or spending time and money trying to operationalize some sort of non-existent silver bullet um, when in fact there may be really important but less exciting preliminary work to be done to curate data, to connect systems, to invest in infrastructure that's ultimately going to support those longer-term analytics amb ambitions and, and that vision. Um, and that brings me to the second observation which is, you know, forget about all these buzzy words and these big intimidating concepts for a moment. Most compliance teams, in my experience, are struggling to do much, much simpler things with their data. And it may be because they're not capturing the data that they need. It may be because the data that they have lacks quality or is managed in ways that makes it challenging to use. 
and sometimes even if they have good data, they just may not have the resources to to ultimately dive in and and to use it in a more sophisticated way or to you know deploy analytics in ways that are going to do the things that you're talking about and that we often talk about together. Um, and so what actually excites me about what you offer and then what we can do together is the concept of this turnkey solution that ultimately accelerates progress. That's 100% right. I, I think you've summarized it quite accurately. Um, data analytics is definitely a journey for most companies, and I think you've highlighted some of the, the fears and hesitation that a lot of companies have, which is they're you know either afraid of not having sufficient resources or not having data in the right places, but you need to start somewhere. And our technology can dramatically accelerate that journey, starting the journey as well as progressing down the journey, journey out of the box. Um, and certainly there is a, a large opportunity to have your team support that and support your clients in designing their programs so that they have the optimal structures and use cases um, and and have a little bit more structure around where they should start, um, even if it is, as you mentioned, some of the more simpler analyses. Um, our tool gives companies control to dynamically adjust all of those algorithms I referenced earlier um, so that they can take into account historical issues from things like investigations. Our solution enables people to identify subjects or keywords or specific general ledger accounts, for example, that might be at issue. Um, and certainly your team could help companies identify those things that, that perhaps companies should focus on because you also have a 360-degree view of historical issues from investigations and risk assessments and where the government is focused. So I think you know, there's a lot of opportunity for companies, again, to, to get started on that journey um, with with our solution and with the support from Ropes and Gray. Okay, Parth, I'm going to come back to you. We've talked about how compliance can leverage your products, but it seems like other functions could really benefit from your solution as well. So, for example, how could an internal audit team benefit from a continuous monitoring solution like yours and in ways that maybe enable them to actually improve or evolve what they currently and historically have done? It's a great question. It also, I think, highlights a tremendous opportunity, in my opinion. So internal audit, I think, is really ripe for capitalizing on software like continuous monitoring technology. You know, the traditional internal audit model for detecting compliance risks is really much more expensive and, frankly, far less effective than the technology-driven continuous monitoring program. So pre-COVID, you know, that model involved picking a sample of markets each year and then a sample of transactions in each market, sometimes using fairly basic analytics or random sampling or judgmental sampling, like looking at the top invoices from the top high-risk vendors or third parties identified in the due diligence process. And then really starting each audit with a lengthy prep process, sitting at headquarters and flying an audit team down to the market, staying in a four-star hotel for two weeks, picking a sample of transactions, and then closing that audit out and going home, and then repeating that a number of times throughout the year. You know, but that model really only scratches the surface of what's going on in terms of the overall number of transactions and activities in the company. 
Um, and really due to the effort involved, there's significant lag time between a transaction and it being selected by audit if it's selected at all. So really by using continuous monitoring software instead or even to supplement that process, an internal audit team can apply advanced multi-dimensional analytics importantly to 100% of spend across 100% of their markets uh, entirely remotely, and then really focus those human resources, that audit brain power on those highest risk transactions flagged by the software. You know, particularly in this post-COVID world, I think that's a true game changer as it's clearly more effective, more efficient, and probably most importantly, far more real time. Um, you know, ultimately enabling audit to detect problems easier and quicker um, and more cost effectively, but also uh, to find them before they become systemic problems. So, Parth, when I think about software like yours, when I think about continuous monitoring innovations, I, I often find myself thinking about how the power is that it enables us to not just find isolated procedural process-based or rules-based deviations. It really opens the door for us to create something that's more judgmental and more risk-based. But at the end of the day, what audit teams are often doing is looking for process-based, rules-based deviations. So are there specific use cases or analyses within your solution that you think would be particularly useful or beneficial to audit and its kind of mandate? Look, we could probably devote an entire hour uh, to covering all the analyses that come uh, pre-built into our solution, but I think the best way to think about this and really frame it would be this. We've created a pre-built analytics engine in our application uh, that provides audit as well as compliance teams with a tremendous amount of configurability uh, without needing any specialized coding or scripting language uh, knowledge or any data scientists on staff. So using, uh, you know, maybe the T&E side as an example to deep dive on this, uh, into this. So we have analyses that operate in multiple dimensions. So the first one is at an individual expense level, then at an aggregate expense level, and then even at a subject employee profile level. So to make that a little bit clearer, you know, let's take meal expenses. You know, something that the audit team is looking at from both a policy, as you mentioned, policy process perspective, as well as from a risk perspective. So the audit team can use our tool to run analytics at that first level, which is at the individual meal level. So, for example, applying risk thresholds to the total monetary amount or even per attendee amount for every single meal expense in Brazil involving government officials to identify any specific meals over the risk thresholds that they've set. Then they could go a level up and apply a different set of analyses and risk thresholds for the aggregate frequency or monetary amount of the same category of meals over a period of time, let's say six months. So Brazil meals involving government officials over six months to identify any meals or employees over that aggregate risk threshold. And then finally, at a, the next level up is really applying analyses at an employee, you know, supplier, vendor, third-party level that's going to look at outliers um, at the subject level. So in this example, looking for outlier employees in Brazil involving their meals uh, with government officials over a period of time compared to their peers across multiple dimensions, whether it's the total amount of spend over that period of time, their frequency of spend, their per attendee cost, or maybe even their average attendee cost per meal. So you can kind of see if you extrapolate that out, all the different 
uh, dimensions you can bring into the calculus. And again, that's only a small handful of the examples in our overall library that covers employee and third-party risk, not just in the corruption space, but across fraud, embezzlement, conflict, sanctions, and other risk areas. Uh, but the most important point here, I guess, ultimately is that the application allows every company, every audit team, every compliance team to configure those analyses dynamically and in real time without any coding or back-end data science because we've created a user interface to do all of that. And finally, our analytics library, you know, to be clear, uh, as a software company, we have a commitment to our customers to build that analytics library. And today it's already growing month over month. We just released seven new analyses to all of our customers, again, out of the box, but highly configurable. So that analytics engine is going to get stronger over time. Uh, we recently launched the Integrity Analytics Collective, which is an initiative with us, uh, you guys at Ropes and Gray, uh, Ethisphere, and other leading ethics and compliance organizations. And that's going to continue to solidify our commitment to collaborate together across the ethics and compliance community to improve that analytics library over time. So I think the big takeaway is we, we probably should schedule another hour to actually <laughs> dive deeper into all of this. But for now, we've been circling around an issue that I want to dig in on a little bit more, and that is on return on investment. And, and let's not necessarily just limit ourselves to the benefit that it can bring to the audit team or the compliance team. How would you describe more holistically the return on investment of something like this? A great question is one we're asked all the time. And I think, you know, as we get more and more data and more and more companies go online uh, with tools like this, the, the, the story will become even clearer, I think. But, you know, I'll fundamentally, as I touched on this a few minutes ago, the main ROI here is really around managing your risk far more effectively and comprehensively. And at the same time, doing that at a lower cost than how you're doing it today, which is highly manual um, and less far reaching. So first, you know, I should be clear and transparent that there is an investment involved in setting up software like this and systems like this. But it's actually a much smaller investment than I think most companies realize, because, again, a lot of this is out of the box and pre-built and is not bespoke. You're not bringing in an army of forensic accountants to uh, build a whole SQL uh, database and set of analytics and visualizations. It all exists today out of the box. But once you're past that hurdle and you've had this continuous monitoring uh, process and tool established, the benefits really, from my perspective, begin to flow across functions, and we've seen this now at, at, at clients of ours. So first, you know, one group that we often don't think about when we think about continuous monitoring is investigators. So for investigations, your investigators now can access the underlying financial data uh, in the application globally immediately after a whistleblower report. So they don't have to chase audit, finance, IT to get that data, and they're not accessing simply raw data. You know, they're getting every transaction that's risk scored and heat mapped so that they can scope, begin, and end their investigation far more quickly and less expensively than they do today. Um, you know, our analytics engine also allows an investigator even to go further and apply a higher risk weighting to a third party or employee during and after their investigation, you know, to minimize continued leakage or fraud or other ongoing challenges uh, stemming from that investigation. So that's just one example for investigators, you know, on the compliance side, risk, the whole risk assessment process becomes far more data-driven than it is today, uh, where compliance teams really rely on surveys and other subjective data to identify markets and activities on which they should focus. And all of that 
risk assessment work today takes a lot of time. It takes, uh, you know, a lot of chasing down information from market finance and legal questionnaires and things of that sort. You know, continuous monitoring software can can really automate a lot of that and then can point compliance teams to far more granular um, and data-driven risk information by geography or by employee or by third party. So a compliance team may discover that they have a pattern of expedited payments to duplicate vendors in a very traditionally low-risk country, and then they can focus their efforts on addressing that risk in near real time. And so over time, that can also mean that compliance teams can shift their time and resources from certain pre-approval and pre-clearance activities to uh, really focused uh, efforts around data. So, you know, data analytics could give a compliance team more comfort to remove themselves from pre-approval requests and, and shift some of that accountability to the business because now they have more comprehensive data on the actual risks. And then some of the time-intensive work of compliance teams of creating dashboards for the business and other stakeholders, that can also become completely automated. So that's another real ROI winner for us as well. And then not to mention factoring in cost savings from reducing fraud, duplicating expenses, uh, you know, capturing duplicate, duplicate vendors, et cetera. Um, you know, the, the ROI savings can really be tremendous. And, you know, ultimately, my final point on this is there's a lot of companies that are already in the press and in conferences have waxed ecstatic about the ROI on these types of initiatives they've implemented. But even beyond those testimonials, you can start somewhere. You can start regional. You can start with pilots at a BU level and really prove out that ROI very quickly. And then you gain that internal momentum to turn this into a global platform over time. Okay, so let's dig in just a little bit more on this. So you mentioned investigators, you mentioned monitoring teams. We talked at length just a moment ago about the audit teams. You mentioned risk assessment. These are all kind of the enabling functions. Now you did mention the benefits of the business in the form of better dashboards, but what about benefits to the business on the front line about putting better information into the hands of the people who are actually making decisions that are creating risk day in and day out? What does this give them? Integrating these types of insights gain from a compliance continuous monitoring tool into the business really is the next frontier of where we think companies are going with this data. There are just so many downstream benefits to the business from this risk data uh, that a tool like ours collects that ultimately can help them make better decisions and potentially save the company, you know, enterprise-wide, a significant amount of money. So one clear area is on vendor management, you know, rationalizing vendors, uh, minimizing high-risk vendors, which, you know, I've talked about a little bit, uh, but really just to put a finer point on that, compliance is always looking at their high-risk supplier, vendor, distributor base. Now, if you can provide your business teams and your finance teams and your sourcing teams the risk data about where uh, where those suppliers and vendors are, where we potentially have an anomalous number of such high-risk third parties or anomalous payment amounts or frequencies, um, and maybe there's uh, uh, a larger number of high-risk third parties in a category than we need, the business finance sourcing teams can then, for commercial reasons, uh, move to cut or rationalize that number down, um, centralize that spend in a fewer number or smaller number of of vendors, which is, again, a huge win for compliance, but it's done all in the lens of commercial needs. 
And so it's really a win-win. And so, you know, the business can then renegotiate contracts and they can save money, but at the same time, they're reducing risk exposure across the enterprise. Um, you know, on top of that, when you look at some of the analytics in our library, the analytics themselves have a compelling business dimension uh, from my perspective beyond the compliance dimension. Just one example that I like to, to um uh, talk about is the expedited payments uh, analysis that we have. So that's a compliance risk. You know, the company's paying a vendor or reimbursing it, uh, an employee, um, really on the vendor side, paying a vendor, um, you know, a day after their invoice comes in. You know, that's anomalous. It's suspicious. Um, it fits a typical fraud, corruption, fact pattern. Um, but there may just be a lack of training that's driving that, really no compliance issue. Um, and maybe your finance team wants to know that, and I imagine they want to know that so they can train their internal teams to actually pay your vendors on the negotiated payment terms, which are you know, far longer than one day, um, you know, not too quickly, because there's a time value to that money. So when you really think about all of these little ways uh, where you're unlocking data that can really help the business, there's all of these ways that the data can inform commercial decisions that at the same time can change behaviors that have an impact on compliance and risk. So while there can be significant cost benefits and ROI for the business, um, there's also uh, that, that benefit for compliance. And so ultimately, the, the final point I'd reiterate is the end result of these tools and having tools like this and data is really to give your compliance team much more comfort around the effectiveness of the program and where the risks truly are. And what that equates to, in my opinion, is giving the compliance and control functions much, uh, a much greater ability to trust the business um, because the risk is much more objective and they have much, uh, you know, those functions have a much better handle on where the risks are. And so ultimately what that can also mean is that compliance can loosen the reins on the business around a lot of the, you know, bureaucracy that the business is subjected to, a lot of the approval requirements, pre-approval uh, processes, which are sometimes a key pain point for the business. So if I now in compliance have real-time visibility into the risks for, let's say, charitable contributions globally, um, I may be able to focus my pre-approval requirements to allow the business to go through fewer hoops in most cases, which really ultimately is a win for everyone. Um, you know, it's, a, it's fewer hours spent by the business as well as compliance on the manual work um, of a, reviewing and approving those requests, but at the same time, the risk, uh, uh, you know, exposure level hasn't really changed and if anything has improved um, for the company. So that's another, I think, key area where the business benefits from having more data. Yeah, and, and, and it's about having more data. And you've talked about the, the risk analytics. You've talked about the ability to do a more uh, robust effectiveness analysis. But to me, there's almost something more basic, which is just more data. It's just knowing how much, knowing when, knowing who, um, in a way that as much as we'd like to believe that that's readily available to all business people, it's often not. Um, and so I feel like there's this very baseline thing that what you guys have created that, that, that shouldn't be understated, which is just communicating, as you guys say this from time to time, democratizing data for the business in ways that gives them all of these really sophisticated, wonderful analytics about risk, but is also just telling them how their business is operating. Um, I don't want to undersell that. I think that that's huge. Appreciate that. And I fully agree. And, and, and again, it's not, um, you know, I think sometimes we get caught up on more data is always better. And I also want to be clear, more data is not always better. You know, I think a lot of approaches typically in this space have involved giving the business these 
massive dashboards where it's just a scatter plot of all sorts of spend. These are your highest vendors. They're out here. These are your median spend vendors. And sometimes that's counterproductive uh, because it's just it's really closer to raw data that doesn't really give you a lot of insight. So, you know, tools like like this apply that risk dimension. And when you get that transactional scoring um, at a one foot level, you can then extrapolate that data up and give your business really targeted, again, objective risk weighted data, which is beyond just giving them a dashboard to look at where, you know, they're not going to know, am I supposed to look at this dot out here or this dot out here? If you get that risk layer on top where you've really identified and pinpointed the risks for them, that's really enabling the business to have data that's useful, that they can really action. Let's go back to the investment side of the ROI analysis. You and Kara have built something and the rest of the team at Lextegrity have built something that, that's really great, uh, really special. Um, and, and as you've said a couple of times in ways that obviate the need um, for an analytics staff within compliance. But does the technology do everything? When you're assessing the cost side of the ROI analysis, is it just the cost of the tech or are there other considerations as well? Yes. So you're completely right. You know, an out-of-the-box configurable technology by its definition is not going to answer everything for you. Um, you know, we've built our technology so that it is highly configurable. I mean, there are some smart presets that we have in our application, but it is ultimately configurable because monitoring programs should also be run on a risk basis um, and really targeted to your risks and configured to your risks. So you still need a team of internal stakeholders as well as advisors like the team at Ropes and Gray, you know, who know our products well from prior joint client engagements who are going to really bring their advisory services coupled with our technology to really help you unlock the ROI and efficiency gains a lot quicker. So, you know, coupling our technology with your knowledge and expertise from a risk perspective is really what's going to enable you to accelerate both the adoption of a technology like this, as well as really targeting it and focusing it on the company's highest risk activities. So it's almost like going back to your point about our technology being out of the box yet configurable. I kind of think of Ropes and Gray as the same type of out of the box yet highly configurable advisors. You know, you bring a tremendous amount of compliance, analytics, and risk assessment expertise from having advised hundreds of companies over the years on these exact risk areas um, across industries and within industries, you know, deep within industries. So then you can tailor that advice, that baseline advice. You can then tailor that advice to the specific company you are representing to really help them understand, you know, what are the high risk GL categories that we see in this industry? What are some of the patterns that we've seen in your investigations as well as other peer company investigations? And we're going to then take the power in our tool of configuring those analytics and really bring that knowledge expertise of both your client as well as the industry as a whole and really bring those to bear to really target those analytics to be the most effective. So, you know, from my perspective, it's it's really a compelling combination, kind of the one-two punch uh, that really um, uh, enables companies to make the best use of, of, of these types of tools. Terrific. Uh, Parth, I, I literally could not agree with you more. This is the future of compliance. It's not, as you say, in building bigger armies of compliance and risk professionals or auditors or monitoring teams. It's about shifting the analysis from the after the fact risk spotting 
to before the fact risk prevention. And when done right, when a commitment is made to developing tools like yours that actually advance the ball in this space, it will lead to leaner compliance teams, to more efficient programs, and ultimately, and, and maybe most importantly, to more thoughtful risk-based decision-making, more risk-aware internal constituencies, and therefore better compliance. And we hear folks talk about shifting accountability to the business, which is a good idea, but it's also a bit of a hollow aspiration when it's not accompanied by tools like this that actually empower, that empower accountability and that empower ownership. With that said, I think this is actually a really perfect place for us to wrap things up. And for me to thank both of you for joining us for this discussion. It's been really great. And thanks to all of our listeners. For more information about this or anything else that's going on with RNG Insights Lab, please visit the RNG Insights Lab website at www.ropesgrade.com slash RG Insights Lab. And for more information about Lextegrity, go directly to their website at lextegrity.com. And if we can help you navigate any of the topics we discuss, please don't hesitate to contact us. We're here and looking forward to hearing from you. You can also subscribe to this series wherever you regularly listen to podcasts, including on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening.